Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening whenever you choose to listen to this podcast. This is episode number six of The 34 Show, and I will be your host, Riley Gray. I have a special guest joining me for the podcast today, former Fanshawe Falcons pitcher, and just so happens to be my brother as well, Carter Gray. We go into detail about our recent rivalry on the baseball diamond in college ball, what his favorite memory is on the field, and who the best sibling tandems in recent sports history are. After the interview, I'm going to briefly touch on the Leafs' victories against the Sens, what needs to happen to the Blue Jays' rotation to be contenders in the AL East, and going over the Raptors' sweep of the struggling Bucks. I think now is a great time to send it over to the interview with Carter. I hope you all enjoy. And we are back, and I am pleased to be joined by a semi-special guest today, former Fanshawe Falcons pitcher and brother of mine, legitimate brother of mine, Carter Evan Gray. How does it feel to be the first family member on the podcast? Well, I mean, really the only option, only option uh, in the family to uh, be on the podcast. Yeah, you don't think uh, dad or anyone else has got the chops for it? No. I really don't think Bradley Bradley Gray's got the got the smarts for it. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I don't think he he's got it. Uh, so just for everyone listening, today was this guy's first day at his new internship. Uh, <laughs> did, digital media place. This guy likes to uh, take photos and uh, do things on the computer. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience of what you do there? Uh, well, I'm a uh, social media coordinator intern. So I'm uh, just learning how to run a social media, all the social medias for the company, uh, taking photos and videos and behind the scenes stuff for the company and how everything works there. They're a pretty big uh, apparel company. So they do, they do the designs for most of the companies that want apparel and uh, merchandise done. And yeah, it's an all around good vibe at the place. Yeah, that's great. Uh... So I see, I see you walk in the door today wearing a hairdo that just looks like you got out of bed and you're going to work like that. I don't know if that's a good first impression, but hey, if, if the, the boys down there like it, I mean, why I mean, not, right? I mean, I had a, I had a hat on, but it's whatever. Yeah. They didn't some, see the hair. Some antics at this point. Uh, okay. So one of the first things we have to talk about before anything else is the, uh, the two at bats we had against each other in college baseball in 2019. I'm going to set the stage a little bit for anyone who doesn't know. So Carter wasn't getting much playing time on his team at Fanshawe. Tough ERA, almost touching double digits. (laughs) Not at all, but okay. Yeah. Uh, We had faced Fanshawe twice earlier in the year and beat them and had struggled and had a stranglehold on the season series. So the final meeting between our two teams was in Oshawa, my team's home field. And as the game progresses, we proceed to stomp Carter's team, beat them down to a pulp. We're up 6-1. It's like the fourth inning. As Carter's coach goes out, gives a tap to his right arm, signals to the pen to get him get him loose, get him warm. And next thing you know, he's into the game to try to stop the bleeding. So I'm standing on deck, just smiling ear to ear, taking my practice hacks, waiting to get in the box with this guy. I can see his legs are shaking a little bit. Got a little pee running down his leg, just knowing he's going to have to face me next. So I finally step in after listening to my walk-up song, Antidote by Travis Scott, no big deal, which gets me ready to take this kid 450 deep center. And then why don't you finish the rest of the story there, buddy? I mean, you came up to the plate. I was just so dialed in. I was just throwing absolute gas and you couldn't touch it. 
but I mean, uh, there's video proof too of me blowing, blowing some by it, but, uh, yeah, threw a curveball in there. Umpy didn't like it for the strike three. I was a little blown away. Team was a little blown away at the call. Guess it's just a little home field advantage. I don't know how much you paid him before the, before the game, but in the end of the first at bat, I uh, got him to ground out to second. So, you know, I, I win the first one. So he's, he's just not getting hit off me. It's just not possible for him to, to piece one on me. Yeah. Uh, so just a side note, the, uh, we actually have stats from the first at bat and the ball came off the bat at 120 miles an hour exit below. So just a little, just a little point in there that I had to put in. I absolutely hammered this guy, squared it up just right at his second baseman. Nothing you can really do when you're, when you're a guy like me stepping into the box, it's, it's tough to get a pitch you like, but you know, just got to do with what you get. Um, okay. So moving on from that story, uh, we, we end up beating them. But, but, but then, but then you got to mention the second at bat, you still didn't get a hit. So you, you just, you call yourself a national champ. You call yourself the nationals MVP, but you just can't get a hit off me. I don't know what's going on with that though. Yeah. You know what? I think we're going to leave it up to the people listening, uh, all 28, 20, 29 people listening here. Uh, what would you rather do? Be, be 0 for two against your very, very lackluster pitcher brother and have a national champions ring OCAA silver medal and nationals gold medal hanging around your neck. Or would you rather be two for two with two little bloop singles and just have nothing for it? You know, I, I think it's a no brainer, but, uh, Hey, the people, the people can decide, you know? Yeah. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, moving on, moving on to a bit more, uh, serious questions. So who is your biggest influence when it comes to sports and baseball specifically could be a coach, big leaguer, mom, dad, we'll take my name <laughs> out of this conversation. Cause I'm obviously a favorite, but, uh, just yeah, tell me who who get who got you up in the morning to uh to go to practices. Who who really drove you to be a be a baseball player? You know, I was I was gonna say, growing up, starting as a shortstop, definitely Derek Jeter. Looking at him playing shortstop, just an absolute beast in between uh, second and third. There, I mean, you just can't get much better than number two. Like. That's why I was number two as well. You know, some people say I play like him. My uh, my bat's kind of the same as uh, Derek's was, and uh, my fielding's kind of similar too. But you know, I, I can move on from that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> pitching, though, honestly, you you were uh, you were a good teacher, teaching me my first curveball and everything. You know, but I think over time it eventually just became the teacher start. I mean, the student started mastering the uh outmastering the teacher so i mean i think uh, in the end i just i gotta thank you a little bit but i mean i should be teaching you stuff now yeah uh-huh. a little backhand compliment but i'll take it um so you're talking about you're talking about pitches and things like that uh what is your favorite pitch to throw in general when you are on the mound um Threw a lot of two seams, wasn't really a four seam kind of guy. I like the movement on the two seam a little more, like the grip on it, like how it feel coming out of the hand. Uh, I did like throwing curveballs. Sometimes there was a little off. You had to be the right day for them, personally for me, to get them nice tight break in there and uh, get the guys whiffing or keep them a little higher and drop them right in the zone. But ultimately, I think my favorite pitch 
it's got to be the changeup, and I think that's got to be most pitchers' favorite pitch and most effective pitch. If you can, if you can get that thing down, going from a nice, like me, absolute heater coming out of the hand, uh, then going to a changeup, really, really screws with the batter. And I think every pitcher, if you don't have a changeup, you gotta, you gotta figure it out and try and master that changeup, and that'll be your best pitch. Yeah, I, uh, I, you can't argue with that one. Um, but I, but I mean the curveball that got that gets you in that box in that uh that game was pretty filthy so not gonna lie yeah you have to donate to charity once in a while and i thought i'd give you a strike but uh moving on um so you are known or in the family friends peers as a bit of a head case when you're on the mound uh some like to say you got kind of a bryson dechambeau vibe john rom type of brain up there just the real mental case when it comes to uh, getting batters on and stuff. So when you're on the mound in a big game, because I'm pretty sure you had a few at Fanshawe, what goes through your head from batter to batter? You know, I will admit, younger years, bit of a rage case, slapping my knee, giving myself Charlie horses on the mound, absolutely just destroying my thigh with my fist. Um, But I think the older I got, the more I – realized and learned how to calm down these emotions but uh I think the biggest thing when I'm on the mound is just going pitch by pitch if you get a guy on then just try not to worry about him too much and I mean yes there's things you gotta you gotta focus on and make sure so he doesn't steal or anything like that but it's going pitch by pitch and really just it, having a good relationship with the catcher and he him knowing your game and helping you out with what pitches he thinks are working the uh in the certain game and certain time and uh yeah really going pitch by pitch and making sure runners on or if the other teams chirping and stuff just make sure that's not getting in your head but uh yeah i'd just say going pitch by pitch good answer good answer yeah i think uh most what, what, what about you what about you when you're a little little heated what what keeps you uh Keeps you uh, tamed down. You know, I just uh, I just like to take a step off the mound, take the hat off, put the flow back. You know, uh, just a big deep breath. I think when you got people on and when you're in a tight situation, just taking a deep breath, really regaining your focus, and then just going after hitters and trusting your stuff. You work all this time on like pitches and things like that and your delivery and you got to just trust yourself in that moment. And if you don't, then that's when things uh, start going South. Yeah. I think trusting your pitches is a big one. If you're not confident in the pitch, you're never going to throw it for a strike. You got to exactly. throw it in practice. Like you're going to throw it in a game and then go into the game and with the mindset that you're going to throw this for a strike and get some strikeouts. Cause if you're not, then no open hell you're getting in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true you're not wrong all right uh so when when we talk about teams you've played on fanshaw ancaster hamilton junior blah 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 i want you to give me a two of your favorite teammates one can be from when you were a kid in little league and stuff and then your next can be junior and up sheesh that's a tough one eh yeah oh um I don't know. There's lots of favorites here. I mean, we got, 
we got Matty Holman up there. who's just an absolute animal, absolute legend on the, on the team there. You got, uh, you got Dave Knaus behind the plate, absolute just monster behind the plate. Knows how to call a great game. Um, little league, little league, long time ago. Um, I don't know. I liked throwing when I was on the mound. I liked throwing Eric Salvia. He's a great guy behind the plate. Knew the team well, knew me well. Uh, but I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, rule out Scotty Van Tool. His presence yeah. on the bench is just another, another thing, you know? Yeah. Having He's... him on the bench and like having his presence there is just a different, really brings a team together. He's a, he's a glue, good glue guy. Yeah, hundred percent. Speaking of Scotty, uh, I think you got to tell the story of when bench clearing uh, brawl St. Thomas. <laughs> I can just take us through that moment and what 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 the guy was doing for the boys uh, on the bench. Well, so okay, so I think I was playing second or shortstop at this game. It was the first game of the OBA champion OBA tournament in God. What year was that? Couldn't tell you what year. So we got Nick Davies on the mound. Throws pretty hard. Throws some gas. First batter of the game. Ball gets away from him. Hits a guy in the helmet. He's wearing a helmet. Doesn't hurt. Then this guy at the plate, just an absolute rage case. Starts charging at Nick. We all run to the mound. And then <laughs> later in the game, we realized that, oh, man, I – Scotty's not going to like me telling this one, but um, adds character. Scotty, Scotty's like kneeling down under the bench. <laughs> Scotty, what are you doing? <laughs> get back to things. Like, I don't like, I don't like fights. I don't want to get in a fight. But uh, yeah, man, what a great teammate that guy was. Uh, loved playing with that guy. The whole Van Tool family's a absolute treat to have on the baseball squad there. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I, I think that that just that just goes to show uh, he's grown from that. I think I think he's more for the boys now, and uh, I think he'd get get in a scrap if he had to if uh, some of his buddies. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, moving on. What was your favorite two favorite moments from when you were a kid or recently on the baseball field, and why? I want one to be from you playing specifically and then just to pump my own tires one when you were watching me play oh wow you really want your uh you really want some gas eh yeah just a bit ain't free gas um yeah why not uh, i'd probably say my favorite moment probably first year junior when i played up a year with you didn't really play a whole lot in the uh, in the season, but came eliminations time. Got the call. Got the call to go into the game in the. I think it was the fifth inning. Sixth. Sixth. Oh right, yes, seven inning tournament. Got the call in the sixth inning, and uh, versus Lee Side. Lee Side was a pretty good team. They had some big names on the team. You know, had some heavy hitters. Uh, yeah, and. Coach, uh, Coach Knaus was just, hey, you ready to go? 
I mean, coach, I've never been more ready in my life. Let's go. Also never been more nervous in my life. Never been more nervous and yeah. sweaty in my life. The yeah. hottest day of the summer, absolutely drenched in sweat, just sitting on the bench. So I'll get the ball in, go into the game. And I am just so dialed in. I have so much adrenaline pumping through me. I threw five warm-up pitches. I don't think I've ever thrown a ball so hard. Just adrenaline coursing through my veins. Sweat dripping everywhere. But, uh, yeah, I had pitched sixth to seventh. And then we went into extras, and I think I pitched into the eighth. Finished the game off. Never pitched so good in my life. I don't don't think I gave up a run. I think maybe – one or two hits but I think I had way more K I had quite a few K's and we ended up winning that game and it was an elimination game and man I've never been so pumped coming off the diamond so proud of myself everything was just working the curveball was dancing fastball was humming in there too so yeah that's probably got to be my uh most exciting time playing on the on the field yeah, and then, no, that was a big moment. Yeah, I think that was, was. Uh, Can't that, was even peak, that was the peak of the career, I think, there. Um, and then and then final out of the game, a big pop fly right to center field. Riley Gray is in center field. And uh, if he dropped it, I, I don't think I could be his brother anymore. Yeah, but, you know, routine. I, had, I, had, some, I had, some, had some faith in him, you know. I was like, right to center field, this should be game. This should be game. But you never know. Things happen, you know. Sun gets in the eyes hole in the glove you know yeah you know you never know what happens you know you never know it's true yeah no that's a good moment um and then you want me to pump your tires right yeah just a little pump uh just your favorite moment when you were on the sidelines just asking in the glory of all the teams i was on <laughs> i mean i'd say you winning national you winning canadians and little league but that didn't happen that was the most heartbreaking time i've had on the sidelines yeah, um, tough game. I really wanted to go to Williamsport, you know. Yeah, Lucas just Soper absolutely throwing, heartbreaking. Throwing ninety-eight on a forty-five foot <laughs> mound, so that was fun. In on the hands, but yeah. Uh, okay, let's let's. No, I, I'd probably say you winning nationals is a pretty cool moment. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty pretty cool moment. Not gonna lie. Yeah, no, that was pretty uh, pumped for you. Yeah, and then you getting the awards for some weird reason. I don't know why you got them, but. Slip the guy. They had to the give. Game. They had to give them to someone, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. They felt bad for you. Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, uh, that's a story for a different day. Uh, so, so you're 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 a big shoe guy. Um, I'd say you adopted that trend from me, but whatever. We'll we'll uh, we'll move on. If you could pick three pairs of shoes to have in your rotation on the ball field for the rest of your life, what would they be? Like custom cleats? Yeah. I mean, number one, got to be a nice pair of Jordan 1s. I couldn't imagine the amount of confidence you have walking onto the field with a pair, of nice pair of Jordan 1s. I mean, yeah, so that's probably number one. And then number two is probably, I've said this many times to you, favorite, favorite shoe to ever play a sport in, probably the PG1. Yeah. If you don't know, PG means Paul George's first shoe edition with Nike. Absolute, like, the best shoe to play basketball, volleyball in. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think I'd take a pair of those in cleats. I think that those would be uh, those would be nice to play on the field with. Yeah. 
And then number three, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe Kyrie, Kyrie twos. Kyrie twos a nice shoe. Yeah, a little is. bulky yeah. for my taste though. Um, maybe just because I have a pair of them and I really like them, I'm gonna say maybe the. Are they 11? Kobe 11s or 10s? The All-Stars. 11, 11s. 11. Kobe 11s. Those are a nice shoe to play in as well. So Those, those yeah, are good I'd picks. probably go those. Yeah. No. Good no, solid nothing, three. Nothing wrong with that. What about uh, you? What's your top top shoe? Uh, top number – uh, I guess the top two would be uh, – just as a flex, I'd have to go Pirate Black Yeezys. Yikes. And number two would be probably the Travis Scott ones. Those would be hard. Yeah, those would those, those would, would be hard. Those would be uh those would be turning some heads on the ball field. That's yeah, for sure. And next would be breaking hundred percent. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, last last thing we're gonna to touch on and talk about, since we are siblings, not by choice, yeah. uh, we're gonna talk about the best sibling tandems in sports history. I have three sibling siblings or sibling tandems from three different sports, and I want you to rank them from best tandem to not the best. I don't want to say worst because they're all amazing, but you get what I mean. All right. All well, right. thank God you're giving me the the choices to pick here because i probably could not think go even one off the top of my head yeah okay so first one we got from the nhl they're no longer in the league okay yeah teammates for a very long time henrik and daniel sedin yep. uh just absolute studs daniel had 1041 points in 1306 games and henrik had 1070 points in 1330 games so obviously studs in the nhl next we got two guys who played quarterback in the nfl peyton and eli manning two super bowls a piece for those two guys big foreheads on them too and lastly we have let me guess this i think i know who you're gonna say okay let's hear it gonna be you, you you love these guys. You love them. You absolutely love them. For uh, part of big baller brand, gonna be Lonzo and Lamelo Ball. No, I was gonna no. pick them. They were gonna be on there, but they're just not. They're just not this high class yet. True. The True. last I respect that last sibling tandem we got is on the tennis courts. Fourteen Grand Slam titles together and three gold medals at the Olympics combined. Serena and Venus Williams. So you're going to rank them from best to worst. And yeah, I'll tell you where I have them ranked. All right. Well, I think, I mean, Serena Williams is just, a different animal on the tennis court. You can't deny how many championships she's won, how many, like, I think alone, like them together is, 
incredible, but even Serena Williams by herself is on this list. I think uh, if, if, even if her sister was horrible, um, but yeah, I think I got to put that guy, I got to put them up top there. Just yeah. the sheer amount of championships and tournaments she has won. Yeah, for sure. They have won. Um, oh, that's a tough one. These guys are, uh, guys are close. Um, I think I'm going to go number two. I think I'm going to go Peyton and Eli. Yeah, just, no, I, agree I don't know. With that. Yeah, I think they're just as an to have two brothers in the NFL, both be QBs and both be pretty dominant QBs. I mean, you don't get that very often, you know. So I think they're got to be number two, and then uh, the Sedin brothers they got to be number three. I mean, I, they're still an amazing sibling duo, but yeah, that that's the order for me. Yeah, uh, I got the exact same order. Uh, when you think of the Williams sisters, they're always, well, not as much now, but back in the day, they were always in grand slam finals, semifinals playing against each other or things like that. And just to have 14 grand slams together and then three gold medals on top of that. I don't think, uh, I don't think there's anyone that can compete with that. And then you have the Manning brothers. The reason I have them above the Sedin twins is just because they've won Super Bowls. I think if the Sabine brothers had won a couple Stanley cups then they might be above them, but just yeah, with how long Peyton and Eli played uh, yeah, th- those two, those two definitely um, take the cake for me. And then the Sabine twins slot in at number three, just above the ball trio. Once, once Lamelo's no. got his, got his, got his fourth no ring Lonzo's up there, just defensive player. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I just can't wait. Lamelo is going to be the best. What about what about some baseball duos? What's going on? Who's who's there? I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know there's going to be some obvious ones. I am not sure. Um, I was trying. I can't even think of any off the top of my head. I'm not too, not too positive. I'm going to look it up oh. here. Best baseball. Yeah, sport. look it up. Pull it up. Okay, yeah, we, we got a, We got a couple good ones. We got Joe, Vince, and Dominic DiMaggio. Couldn't okay, have told yep. you Vince and Dominic were in the league, but yeah, that's a pretty, <laughs> it's pretty, that's a pretty lethal pairing. Then we got, I completely forgot about the Molina brothers. That's who I was gonna say. I knew that. Ah, that's what I was gonna say. Benji, Jose, Yadier, Molina. That's that's a pretty good one. Other than that, um, yeah, not too many that I see. I know there's, I know there's one in the league right now that's good. I just can't think of it. Other I can't than remember though, Yadier Molina. I don't know many. Sandy and Roberto Alomar. That's another good one. And other than that, there's just a few from back in the day. What about Seth and Steph? <laughs> True. That's a good one. Not bad. Not bad. Who else in basketball? The Antenacupo brothers. Yep. And then you got um, you got Brooks and Robin Lopez. They're just – they're not very good, so I don't even put them on the list. <laughs> Other than that, I can't think of too many. Probably missing some obvious ones, to be honest. Yeah. 
probably, but we got we got the the most elite ones, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks. What about some What about some goats in the esports world? You got Pristini and Arsides. Esports, yeah. Uh, that's about it. I don't think there's. Oh, Weskin and Scraps. Weskin and Scraps. That's a pretty dominant duo, but I mean, Weskin's not in the league anymore. That's true. That's very true. And they're both set to twins, which is. Yeah, no, that, that's don't get that often. No, you don't. You don't get that ever. All right. Very last question. You yeah. Got, you Shoot. just became the owner of an MLB franchise and you have to, from the start of the MLB, you can pick any two starting pitchers to be on your rotation. What two pitchers are you picking and why? I mean, I got to go Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, love the guy. Absolute mental case, but what it like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. He's just so dominant. Yeah. Love Trevor Bauer. Got to go Trevor Bauer. Um, other starter, probably. I'm thinking Bieber, maybe. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Oh man, I'm so bad with this stuff on the top of my head. I'm probably missing so many. I mean, you got you got to think you got to you got to put Kershaw in the mix somewhere. You got to you got to think of him. Yeah, and it's crazy him and Bauer on the same team now. That is true. That is Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that lethal pairing. My two. That is stupid. If I'm taking a lefty and a righty from two different teams, my first pitcher would be Kershaw just dominant in the regular season he finally figured it out a bit in the playoffs last year and then my next pitcher would be from the Yankees Garrett Cole another guy True. who's just gonna shove yeah. every single game and then they the think about Cole other pitchers can be anyone they could be they could be me and you for all we care I mean it doesn't matter when you got those two guys at this top I of mean, rotation I'm pretty dominant but you you you, you, you. I mean, I, I would make a difference. You wouldn't, but yeah, okay, it's all yeah, good. sure. Um, the only thing you got going for you is you're go- coming from the left side. Yeah, little lefty slot, just chucking things in there off balance. Absolute meatballs. Yeah, but get the get, gets the job done from time to time. That's all that matters. Not really. Yeah. Not really in the OCAA gold medal game. Just an outfield guy. Uh, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I pitched I, all year though. He got tossed in the game. Yeah, doesn't no. make sense. We'll uh, we'll leave it at that. Just an outfield guy. Uh, never pitched before. Outfield guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, you're you're 20 steps from my room here, but appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I think uh, all 28, 29 people listening are going to enjoy this one, and uh, maybe we'll have you back on some other time when I got some. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, maybe maybe we'll make this. Uh, uh, maybe like a monthly occurrence, weekly occurrence, you know? Yeah. I think you slow down on the weekly occurrence there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe once a month we'll, we'll see how you're doing, you know? Okay. Yeah. I, I love that idea. Okay. Sounds good. You, you, you bring up the stories for next, for next month and we'll get you on here. Yeah. hundred percent. I will. All right. Sounds good, buddy. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you in a couple minutes. Yeah. I'll see you in a bit. All right. Peace. See ya. 
and we are back and i hope you all enjoyed that interview with my brother it was really fun to do with him just kind of shoot the shit talk about things that have happened in our baseball careers to this date and it seems like he wants to be on every month so uh, i don't know if that's gonna happen but uh we'll, we'll see what we can do here I'm going to start it off with my Leafs takeaways from their three-game set against the Sens. We're going to mostly focus on the last two games because we're just going to act like the first game never happened. The Leafs got five out of six points in their three games with the with the Sens. Toronto came out in games two and three and really showed why they are the better team and what separates them from some of the teams in the rebuilding phases like Ottawa. Uh, I think when you think about the most notable players from that series, you have to think Matthews and Marner. They were all over the Sens from puck drop of game one to the end of game three. And I think that really showed in game three as well. Matthews putting up two goals, a couple apples, Marner, a couple assists. They they are just steps above everyone else on the ice. And I think that showed during this three-game set against the Senators. When you think when you think of Matthews, he just continues to prove to everyone that he is at least a top five player, maybe even top three at this point. He's the purest goal scorer in the NHL. Sure, McDavid is a whole is the whole package in like anyone we've ever ever seen but the way Austin just carries the puck and can control a team in their own zone is amazing to watch he continues to provide scoring night in and night out for this Leafs offense and I think if he can keep it up he, he will be in contention for multiple awards at the end of the year like Thornton said he always is in the right place at the right time and Matthews just knows how to make plays for his team at any given moment in the game and I think that if he can keep doing that throughout the year he's definitely going to be up there for all the awards that get handed out at the end of the year. Another Leafs player who really, really stood out to me, particularly in the second game, was Freddie. He, he showed why he is a top goalie in the league and he can get a win when the Leafs only put up two goals for him. He made big saves when they needed them and shut the door on many different Ottawa chances. He keeps showing in these tight games why he is the better goalie on the ice and why he is a top 10 top five goalie in the league for sure when you think about the north division sure it isn't that great of a division but it is such a high scoring division that it gives freddie a chance to really get into his groove and when he when we have kind of these lower scoring games it's good that he's going to be able to shut the door on teams especially come playoff time when the leafs are playing these tougher opponents like a boston or like a tampa if he can just be in there calm cool and collected and shutting the door on these good teams it, it's gonna it's gonna only bring good things to this maple leafs team I moving on to my thoughts about the blue jays pitching rotation for the upcoming season with pitchers pitchers and catchers reporting to dunedin this week it just begs the question for the blue jays team is their pitching staff going to compete in the al east and in my opinion i, I think if they want to be as good as their offense they need one more arm at least to iron out this rotation as of Right now, they have Hunjin Ryu at the number one spot in the rotation, Nate Pearson at the number two. Then you have just a bunch of other guys, in my opinion. You got Robbie Ray, Thomas Hatch, Ross Stripling, and Tanner Roar. The only guy who stands out there for me is Thomas Hatch. He had a decent year last year coming out of the pen as kind of that long inning guy. Had a few starts as well. I think if he can piece it together here this season, he'll be a good number four or five guy for this team. But when you look at Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling, and Tanner Roark, none of those guys do it for me. Each of those guys has their own flaws, and I don't know if they're going to be able to fix it and be an arm in this rotation. I really hope it's just Pearson and Ryu and maybe Hatch in the five spot for this team come the start of the season. This rotation scares me, not in a good way. With the departure of 
Taiwan Walker, who was great for the Jays in that number three, four spot last year. The Jays are in need of a starter bad. And with, with the acquisition of Steven Matz, I don't know if that does it for me. It still leaves a hole to fill. I think if you're the Jays, you hope Matz can come out and give you some type of a season and maybe fill that five spot. I, I just hope the Jays can go out and either make a trade for a reliable arm or sign a guy like a Jake Odorizzi. This team has a lot of potential to be very good, but the ro- rotation has to improve if, if they want to do so. Their offense is easily top one, top two in the AL East. They just need a few good arms to get their rotation up there as well. Moving on to my Raptors thoughts. The Raptors won their past two games against the struggling Bucks team in dominant fashion. I said this going into this kind of five-game set that they had to take th- three out of three out of the five games, and they're already almost there after two. The Raptors had help from everyone on the roster, whether it was Fred, Norm, Pascal, Boucher. Everyone provided some type of offense or defense in those two contests. And when you think about where the Raptors team could be come playoff time, I think they can be a top four, top five team in the East easily, if not better. They're finding their stride and they're really clicking as a, as a unit as of late. One thing you can take away from this series was that Giannis made a giant mistake in re-signing with the Bucks. Not just because I mean Raptors fan wanted him to sign with the with the Raps. They clearly don't have the pieces around him to be a top team in the league, and I think it's just going to get worse in Milwaukee. If they can't beat the Raptors who were with Kyle Lowry, who were without Kyle Lowry, sorry, and really any paint presence, how are they going to be able to beat a team like Philly or Brooklyn come playoff time? When you have guys like Embiid, Simmons, KD, just bigger guys who are in the paint who can kind of lock up Giannis, I don't know if they're going to be able to get it done in the playoffs. I think it's going to be another bust year for the Bucks. They're going to lose to a team like like Philly or like Brooklyn, like the Raptors in the playoffs. I, I don't see this team doing anything come playoff time and... I really hope that Giannis realizes that and the Bucks can either get pieces around him to make him feel more comfortable or a few years down the line, I think he's going to be wanting out of there. I don't know if he's going to want to stay in a, in a setting like that in Milwaukee. That is going to do it for episode number six of this 34 show. I hope you all enjoyed. It was really fun to sit down with my brother, kind of shoot the shit for 30 minutes and just get my thoughts in on these, uh, the past, past few games for the Leafs and Raptors. I hope everyone has a great weekend and I will be posting another episode on Monday. Thanks.